thought I, <clears throat> for the last three, four, four days, I felt at home uh, with this weather, very much um, like Africa, but uh, I don't know about Monday and Tuesday. It's a little bit more um, that time. It's, it's, it's really, um, I'm so excited to uh, share with you this amazing story of two individuals, two men, brought together by God um, and became uh, amazing friends and how God actually um, uh, uh, narrated his, his uh, fulfilled his purpose through, through them. Recently, I read um, a blog by Michael Frost titled The Lonely Crowd, Churches Dying Due to uh, Friendlessness. And he said this, I've lost count of the number of Christians who have told me they either stopped attending church or left their church to join another one because they couldn't make any friends there. They report that the church people were friendly enough. They were hospitable and welcoming. As one person told me, they are nice to you, but no one becomes your friend. And it hurts when all the friendliness leads only to friendlessness. And he continued to say, in the 1950s, sociologist David Resman coined the term the lonely crowd, in part to describe collective of people who live according to a common tradition and confirming values, but who barely know or like each other. He concludes that by saying that, I fear the church is in danger of becoming just such a lonely crowd. All our hard work could be wasted if people can't find friends and just drift away. Indeed, we are becoming a, a individuals and communities uh, uh, who have become more alone and isolated. We are currently experiencing uh, a crisis of friendship and, and community. While we advance uh, technologically, there is a growing evidence of isolation. Uh, uh, loneliness uh, and disconnect and fear of difference and decline in social skill. And our social uh, media and our um, social media is not actually helping us. Facebook, for example, devalued the word friend using it as an active verb for an active um, activity more appropriately described as networking than friendship. So the problem is not only the church's problem, but a, a society-wide problem. Uh, research shows that one out of every four of us is walking around with no one to share our lives with. Despite the emotional cost of isolation, friendship as a basic human need is not recognized. More so, unlike the southern and eastern culture, Euro-Western Euro culture is um, largely indifferent to the formative potential of friendship. The idea of a strong relationship and love between the same gender, as we see it in the story of David and Jonathan, is supposed, suspected to involve sex. The sex-dominated culture is robbing us of the appreciation and practice of intimate friendship with our brothers and sisters and neighbors. We shy away and feel embarrassed to express our love and appreciation and build a close relationship. My trustees are tired of me uh, be expressing my affection. 
my European friends, I always embarrass them. I, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the cultural background I, I, I come from. And I say to them, to one of them, I say, oh, I missed you so much. And then they giggle and, um, uh, uh, me too, me too, you know, I struggle to say that. Um, so knowing that <coughs> it embarrasses them, I just keep on doing that all the time, even if I don't, even if I don't miss them. Uh, <laughs> because our culture is increasingly distant from Jonathan and David kind of friendship, it reads the friendship story of the Bible with its sex-oriented perspective. Yet once chosen, Christian friendship indicates a strong bond of trust, bound by a common vision. You know, friendship is an inclusive relationship characterized by reciprocity and mutual responsibility. Friends are invited to collaboratively work towards the fulfillment of God's vision for the world. You know, friendship is initiated, sustained, and um, uh, nourished by the activity of God as a friend providing hope and companionship. In fact, friendship provides an alternative way of understanding our relationship with God and neighbor. The story of David and Jonathan offers an example of how God's love for the world must be and how his friendship towards us makes us, make, uh, make us a community of uh, friendship. In Ruth and Naomi, if Ruth and Naomi give us the classic story of friendship between women, David and Jonathan are the archetype of men who love one another. So from the story of Jonathan and David, we learn three things that will help us practice a friendship uh, like them. We learn the nature of friendship, how friendship, Christian friendship particularly, is God-intended and God-centered and God-honoring and how friendship will be tested. It will be a time where our friendship could be challenged. And, uh, 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 and um, the friendship of Jonathan, uh, how the friendship of David and Jonathan points to uh, the, our relationship uh, with Christ, pointing to the ultimate friend, the embodiment of true friendship, Jesus Christ. So the nature of friendship. In the nature of friendship, you know, uh, friendship is God-intended. It is actually God, God's gift for humanity. The, the story in chapter 18 continues from chapter 17. In chapter 17, we know that story where, where uh, Goliath was challenging the army of uh, Israelites, and this young man, David, who knew God and worshipped God, who believed in God, came and, and to that scene and, and heard what that giant was uh, saying and challenging, and he was furious how this man was challenging the army of God. And his vision of God was, you know, he, his vision of God was so big that that, that man, that giant who, who threatened the Israelites were so small to him. So you know, we know the story how he ran and, and, and um, killed that, that man. And so King Saul was amazed by this young, young man. And he was, you know, he was asking his um, um, army commanders around him, who is this guy? Who is this, this boy? And they said they have no idea who he was. So they called him and he, he, he asked him who he was. And he told him 
who he, he was at. He, uh, from, um, he's uh, the son of uh, Jesse and, and kind of the, the story, his story. And Jonathan, Jonathan was standing beside his dad and listening, and he had seen what he had done. He saw uh, the love of God in, in, the, in, in the face of David, the passion for God, he, the love for his people, the, the respect for God's people. And, and, he, was, he, was, and, and he listened uh, when um, uh, his dad was asking him. And he fell in love with him. And it says that um, his spirit, it says that they, uh, it was after David's conversation with Kong Saul that Jonathan became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. This was the beginning of their friendship. Now, being one in spirit indicates a relational intimacy and, and alignment of purpose. It's not something that you achieve with that instant, to be one in the spirit with someone. But God was actively working in both lives, in, in the life of Jonathan as well as in the life of David. So there was, there was a revelation for, for, of, 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 of God for Jonathan to see uh, the activity of God in the life of David, the will of God, the purpose of God, what God is doing in this young man. And, and you know, so, so there, would be, so, so there was, uh, from his observation of how David conducted himself, his love and faith in God, his passion and response um, to the people of God uh, captivated him and drawn him to, uh, to, to, to David. And that David, you know, David and Jonathan's friendship started. Now, David never had a friend. He was a very lonely man, young man. He spent his time with sheep in the, uh, as a shepherd only friends, only to sheep, and, and God. Of course, that friendship was, with God was cultivated in his life. Now, and, but he, he, was, uh, he, didn't, he never had a friend, a friend, a human friend, and he didn't know, he didn't, he didn't have any experience of true friendship. But now David was at a time where, where he needed Jonathan. His life and situation was changing. He embarked in a journey to a new season, to a place of influence, to a place of unknown to him, unfamiliar place. So he needed a friend to encourage him, to believe in him, to help him embrace God's will for his life. A friend to listen uh, to his concerns, troubles, and fears. He needed a friend who sp is, is, speaks on his behalf and protects him. So he also needed to learn how to be a true friend because he was heading to a place where he would be required to be a friend for many because people will be coming to him not only seeking his, his leadership, but also friendship. We see uh, in his life that uh, a mark of friendship in the way David related with his comrades and officials in, in his, uh, you know, when we see in his uh, kingship. Now he needed Jonathan in his life so that he may be a Jonathan to others. So the friendship between David and Jonathan was God intended and God given. You know, their friendship transcended all their differences. You know, specifically when God orchestrates our paths to meet and to come together, there's a common purpose, inner motivation and sufficient grace to help us achieve, achieve what David and Jonathan has achieved. Jonathan's relationship with God was also contributed to initiating the friendship. Jonathan, uh, you know, Jonathan's, Jonathan was a remarkable person. He loved God and a very devoted God. He, 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 devoted to God. We don't read any blemish about his life, but only about his reliance and contentment in God. 
He was a person who was utterly content in God. He was content in God, whose joy it was to see God's will being done. So that, so that you know, that made him to make himself available for others to be a friend, uh, to discern God's purpose and will in the life of others. It, was, it is when we find contentment in God that our eyes will be lifted up from our own concern to the concern of others. We don't wait others to be friends with us, but we become a friend to others when we have that contentment in God. Or like Jonathan, we become God's gift to others. In his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis highlighted the, the giftedness of friendship, how God actually gives uh, one to, to the other. He said this, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choices of one university instead of another, the accident of topic being raised or not raised at the first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at, at work. Christ who said to his disciples, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for, for, for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. So what is needed from us is to be open to receive friendship and willing to be a friend for others because it is God who actually brought us uh, together. So like David, at every interval of change in our life, we need friends who will work with us and support us and, uh, to be the best we can be in God. So the greatest gift of all, brothers and sisters, for me is the hum human being, a friend. You know, even God came to us a true human being as, as a, a, a true friend. So there are, uh, so that is kind of, the, the, this is, this is uh, so friendship is God intended and it's God gift, it is God's activity. And secondly, uh, Jonathan and David's um, friendship was God-centered. You know, the friendship of David and Jonathan is central to a bigger narrative than simply that of two human beings. It was God-centered. The purpose and will of God was the highest importance in the story. You know, Jonathan's commitment to David uh, was to the extent of giving up all uh, to see God's purpose fulfilled in his life. He, he gave up everything, really. He gave up his own claim to the throne in order to give place to David. Why? Because he saw God's purpose in the life of David. He was willing to serve David to help him become who God wants him to be. That's what we read in uh, chapter 18, verse 4, uh, that Jonathan took uh, off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with uh, Thyric, even his sword and bow and his belt. Giving away his robe and armor to his friend identifies David as, as the heir from, the point, from this point onwards. But Jonathan could have chosen a different path because there was a huge gap between them. You know, Jonathan was a, pre a prince. David was a shepherd. You can imagine. 
uh, that, the, the, the gap. And their tribe was different as well. You know, David, uh, J- um, uh, Jonathan was Benjamin and, and David was from uh, uh, Judah. So he could have followed his father's footstep and be against David. All this could have be, prevented them, for, prevented their relationship because their relationship, they couldn't uh, prevent their relationship because their relationship was God-centered uh, relationship. So Jonathan was aware from the beginning God's plan and determ- uh, determined to make him um, the center of the, their friendship. We can see from our reading how convinced he was of God's will uh, for David in um, chapter um, 20, I think, verse 16, it says, uh, uh, Saul's son, um, Jonathan, went to David at Hosh and helped him for uh, strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be a king, a king over Israel and will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. So he was totally convinced. So the relationship was God-centered. It was also God-honoring. You know, their friendship was God-honoring, lived in the covenant faithfulness and accountability before God. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and descendants descendants forever. Sealing their friendship with covenant indicates an acknowledgement and understanding that the strength of their relationship is God. You know, the very fact that you need covenant uh, uh, implies the human weakness, that it actually, you need actually commit covenant uh, 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 to uh, give you endurance in hard, shapes, uh, hard, hard times when your friendship is challenged, to stay in your, in, and, and pass that challenging time, um, uh, you need covenant, you need covenant, you need to honor your word, you need to honor your, your, your commitment to that relationship, so they need that covenant. It's also giving uh, to the other person assurance uh, that no matter what, they will remain faithful to a friendship. So because they, there would come a time when friendship could be challenging, there could, be, uh, there could come a time our weakness could get the better of us. When challenges arise, the covenant they made before God that gives them the strength and determination to remain faithful to the friendship. It is a knowledge that our friendship is in God deeper than human interaction that gives us endurance and security. The second thing that we learn from um, uh, David and Jonathan's relationship is a test of friendship. The friendship will be tested how, in that, how um, uh, we react and act in the time of, of uh, test. You know, the Bible and Proverbs says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity, for a time of adversity. So actually, challenging times taste the, 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 uh, the true nature of uh, friendship. So David and Jonathan's friendship was tested. At some point, point, I believe, it seems like there was a fear and mistress in the hearts of David when considering the strength of Jonathan's vow. You know, uh, when you know, he, he said, uh, when he understood that King Saul was determined to kill him, he might have suspected that Jonathan might be aware of the situation. So he came to Jonathan and told him that. And Jonathan, of course, totally unaware of the situation, rejected uh, uh, the, the accusation. Uh, however, he accepted David's ac- account and agreed to take any action necessary to assure David. So, you know, um, 
so Jonathan had reasons to give up. Jonathan also had a reason to give up on David. His life was threatened because of his loyalty to David. His father actually wanted to kill him because of his friendship uh, with David. And yet Jonathan remained faithful to his uh, friendship. And in the end, David also remained faithful to the descendants of Jonathan, caring for them as if they were his own families. However, not all uh, friendships stand the test of times. We may feel that laid down by our, our friends. We might have been laid down by our, our friends and that uh, that we they, they, they could have been hurt, we have been uh, hurt uh, by that um, situation. So when that happened, we might decide to avoid friendship altogether and close our hearts. We may find it hard to give as well as receive love and friendship because of that um, uh, negative experience. But that is a dangerous place to be. Because that kind of decision might even pre prevent us from experiencing the friendship that Christ is offering. But when friendship is entered with full knowledge of human weakness, including ourselves, and God's grace and faithfulness will be protected from uh, the trap of closing our hearts for future friendship. Finally, the third thing and the final thing that we learn from Jonathan's and uh, David and Jonathan's friendship is how it is a pointer to the ultimate friend, the embodiment of true friendship, Jesus Christ. David and Jonathan's friendship was inspiring, but Jesus is an even greater friend. Not only does God grant us friends in life, Jesus taught us by example everything we need to know about friendship. He offers us the greatest friendship imaginable. We read in the Gospel of John 15, uh, verse 12 to 13, Jesus saying to his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. When he says that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends, he raised friendship to the highest, noblest level. Your friendship, your friend, is uh, the person you would die for. And because it exists for no other reason than itself, not to, to get, but to give, it's among the most cherishable gifts of God. It's possible that in the upper room, that place of friendship and truth, Jesus deliberately echoes the action of Jonathan in, 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 in our story. Like him, Jesus is the king's son. Like him, he takes off his robe and lowers himself in front of those he loves and calls his friends so that he may give them all he has. He became nothing so that they may become everything. This is the meaning of the washing of feet and of the cross. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, tells how Jesus laid aside his glory and humbled himself and um, became a, a friend to us. But in Christ's exaltation, the human race is also exalted. We are crowned with him, given royal status like David, and made heirs to the kingdom like him. Even though we, like David, were nobodies, the last of the line, forgotten about. We owe it all to the king's son who has found us, offered us friendship, given us his life, made a covenant with us, and loved us 
as his own soul. Immortal love, forever full, forever flowing free. Twice we read that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. In the New Testament, this is exactly how Jesus tells us to love uh, each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. And again, Jesus is the ultimate example of this type of love. He quite literally loves us in the way when he gave us his life to us. So as a community, we should strive to be more like Christ, the friend of sinners. Um, Teresa of Avila wrote, if Christ Jesus dwells in a person as his friend, that person can endure all things for Christ, for Christ helps and strengthens us and never abandons us. He is a true friend. We can't sing what a friend we have in Jesus without his friendship affecting how we befriend others. Therefore, we, the disciples and a friend of Christ, are in a position to share his friendship with those we meet. Friendship with Christ is then part of the process of discipleship to such a degree that to be a disciple is to be a friend of Christ. Friendship defines the Christian community. Brothers and sisters, friends, we are called to be friends. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the amazing friendship of David and Jonathan. How you were actively connecting them, both bringing them together. And it wasn't an accident, it wasn't just happened, but you were the one who brought them together. And you are the one who brought us together as a community. Lord, we pray that we may experience your friendship deeply. Lord, so that we may become friends to others. May we be known, not by our friendliness, but by our friendship. Help us to be a friend like you to others. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray.